Welcome to Know Your Bible, a program presented by the Churches of Christ and devoted to helping you understand God's Word. The Bible is a book inspired by God that contains answers to your questions. The Bible reveals Jesus and explains His sacrifice, contains God's plan for the family, and timeless principles of parenting. Also has the truth about life and death. The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Good morning and welcome back to Know Your Bible. We're glad you're here this week and uh, we're studied up and ready to answer a few of your questions. So we hope we get to the ones that you asked most recently. Uh, let me explain how the program works in case you're a new viewer or uh, just don't understand. Uh, we want people to know their Bible. And we could pick a bunch of things about the Bible that we think are important and tell you about them. But uh, we think it would be a better idea if you just tell us what you'd like us to talk about. So that's where, how we started this program years ago. And uh, we just take questions from our viewing audience and try to answer them as fast as we can. Uh, there's a phone number on the screen and a website. You can get in touch with us either way. Tell us what your question is, and uh, we'll put it in our stack and get to it just as quickly as we can. Now, we tape so ahead so we can put closed captioning on and all that, and we're always a little bit behind because we get so many questions. Uh, so we won't answer it today if you call it in, but we'll get to it just as quickly as we can and uh, try to keep up with all the good questions we get. Uh, we always give our viewing audience one before we give our, my partner Toby one. Toby's back. Good morning, Toby. Good morning, Steve. Glad to have you here. And uh, let's give our trivia question to our viewers, see if they know this one. Uh, what was Paul's Jewish name? And we'll answer that at the end of the program, see if you know who Paul's name was before it became Paul. All right, Toby, you, get, uh, you seem to get one about tattoos every once in a while. I I don't. Have, they must think I have tattoos on under this jacket or something. I keep. <laughs> well, you're the right. You're the right generation. I got. To have that's that. true. That's true. Uh, the viewer wants to know where are tattoos discussed in the Bible. Uh, the answer to the question is only in one place in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 28, and it it specifically says you shall not have tattoo marks. Do not. Uh, I'm going to give you little context here, both verses. Do not cut the hair at the sides of your head or clip the edges of your beard. Do not cut your bodies for the dead or put tattoo marks on yourselves. I am the Lord. Now, keep the verse up there because I need to point out something. Most of the time when you talk about the subject of tattoos, uh, people will say, well, that's in the Bible. We should not have tattoos. And uh, it is in the Bible. However, if you're going to bind that, uh, you need to bind all of Leviticus. Uh, so you got to stop trimming the sideburns, stop trimming your beard, you know, let it grow on full out. Um, and we, I use that just as a simple example. Of course, you can read the whole chapter and see that there are lots of rules. Leviticus is actually written to the Levite priests. They were the, the ones who conducted the affairs of the, in, the, in the temple and the worship, and they had very specific prescriptions for dress and holiness and how to deal with all sorts of uh, matters so that when they approached the presence of God, they were absolutely holy. Uh, so I bring that up to say, when you're using that as proof that tattoos are an abomination, um, 
you need to be careful about binding verses because there's a lot of things in, in that context that were an abomination to the Lord. So uh, now I'll go on to say, you didn't ask, but this is free. So uh, uh, is that binding on us today? No, we don't have any commandment as such in the New Testament that tells us that we sh should not have tattoos or anything like that. So the matter of tattoos steps into a matter of uh, using some principles, some thoughtfulness on, on wisdom, and uh, making a personal choice. I don't think it's wrong if a person has a tattoo, but I think they better give consideration to what kind of tattoo they have and what it, message it portrays to those who are going to look at that tattoo on that person for the rest of their life. Um, and so I think that's more, more to do with it now than the context of Leviticus 19, verse 28. So it's a matter of wisdom. You've got to give thought to it. Um, you've got to be careful about what message it sends to others. But the other part of it, and Steve kind of brought it up, I mean, I, it is a generational thing. I mean, sincerely, uh, folks that are probably older than, I don't know, 40 or 50, generally view it as a pretty uh, strongly that it's, uh, you know, not something you should do, and it's only something that certain types of people do. And my point in that is that, you know, someone from an older generation looks at a person with tattoos and they're drawing conclusions in their mind that a person who gets a tattoo ought to be thinking about. So uh, younger generations, we just, we're not, I guess we're not thinking, I don't know, <laughs> generally. But the culture has changed and, uh, and so we just have to give thought into, into those matters. But. Yep. I think most old folks like me wouldn't say it's sinful, we just think it's dumb. Yeah. You know? <laughs> now, I have seen some people have Bible verses on there and things, and I think, well, that's, you know, that's a good way if you're going to have one to you know, make people think about it. But, um, kind of, but it, the culture has definitely changed. Sure. And the, the point of Leviticus, and I think you mentioned this yep. some, but let's reinforce it, it was to <clears throat> stay separate from the pagans. Yeah. The pagans cut and marked themselves and God said don't be looking like them. Right. Well that kind of applies today. Tattoo is a tattooing is a big thing that everybody wants to have. Uh, well some of them like a Bible verse or something might have a good purpose but how much do we want to look like the world? How much yeah. do we want to be like the world? And, and all of that and we're not here trying to preach no tattoos yeah. but yeah. Uh, it is a cultural thing and Christians ought to consider the culture and how they do things. Every, so. every disciple ought to give much thought into how their outward appearance and things that they portray, the, the message that they're sending that does, without saying yep. anything. Okay. So. And my bottom line is we probably spend enough time on tattoos. I agree with that. Okay. Let's go on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I got a question about the plan of salvation. Uh, Two-part question, and I'm going to separate it. Uh, answer them two different times. But the first one, what's the plan of salvation? And then later in the program I'll talk about is baptism necessary? The plan of salvation. Interesting question. When I got that question I thought, man, this will be easy. Uh, I can look online and I bet Google Images, I bet there's a plan of salvation there. Somebody has probably written that down in a really cool chart and I can just put that up on the screen. So I did look and here's the first one I found. Uh, and I don't know who made it or what, but I looked at it and I said, well, I'm not a chemical engineer and I don't know how to run a refinery, <laughs> so I can't figure this one out. So I passed by that one. It looked too complicated for me. And I went to the second one. This is my favorite one. 
This one's got so many lines and track, and nobody can figure out how to get there. I like I don't, this one because it has cartoons it's on it. It's got everything. I found a bunch with cartoons, and I'm not making fun of whoever made this, but it's just so complicated that uh, I don't think I could figure it out uh, if I spent a little time on it, perhaps. Uh, so I finally found one that I kind of liked, and this is the last one. It's very clear. It doesn't have all these bridges and detours and exit ramps. It just says, we're over here on this left side, and God's over here on the right side, and sin is what separates us. Our problem is sin. We used to be one with God, uh, but sin separates us from God, and the wages of sin is death, Romans 6.23 says. Now, what we're supposed to do is let Jesus fix it. Jesus is in the middle. That's the remedy. That's the plan of salvation is Jesus paid the price for us. Can't get any simpler than that. We're separated from God by sin. Jesus took our sins on him, and that's what gets us back together. Now, what's God say we have to do to receive that? Well, some people say, well, you just got to believe. Well, that's one thing the Bible says. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says you got to believe and you got to confess. Acts 2.38 says you got to repent and you got to be baptized. And when you do those things, you get eternal life. You get there's no condemnation, no judgment. You move from death to life. You get across that big chasm there, and you're one with God again. Uh, that seems to me like a lot simpler plan of salvation, uh, just understanding that Jesus paid the price, and that's God's plan of salvation. Jesus said, I came uh, to seek and save the lost. That's what he came for. Well, what did he do with his life? He died on the cross. He shed his blood, his perfect blood, for us. That's what saves us. Jesus said, how do you come in, or God, well, Jesus too, said, how do you come in contact with that blood? Well, in baptism. All through the New Testament talks about baptism. We'll talk about that in the next question. But there's the basic plan of salvation. Jesus paid the price to get us and God back together, to reconcile us to Him. There's the plan of salvation. It doesn't have so many bridges and exit ramps and confusion that you'll never figure it out. It's very, very simple. We have a way of overcomplicating things sometimes. <laughs> we do sometimes. Why, why I like this program. A viewer <laughs> wants to know a simple question. Uh, he or she asks, did Mary have any more children than Jesus? And the answer is to that is yes, several. Uh, let's look at some verses together. First one will be Matthew chapter 13, verse 55. <clears throat> Isn't this the carpenter's son? We're asking about Jesus there. Isn't his mother's name Mary? And aren't his brothers James, Joseph, <clears throat> Simon, and Judas? Uh, the next one is Mark chapter 6, verses 2 and 3. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? Uh, scripture is very clear that there were more. Jesus had more siblings. Of course, he was the oldest, uh, but he had other siblings, brothers and sisters. Uh, it wasn't just him. And I know there's a, a religious group that teaches that uh, you know uh, Mary was one and done. One, you know, had Jesus and and that's it. And uh, that's just simply not what Scripture teaches. I know there are explanations of that. That the brothers and sisters is referring to. Uh, in a in a um, believing sense, not in a biological sense, 
Um, and But if you look at the context, if you look at those scriptures, it's very clear. Uh, Jesus came from a pretty big family and had lots of uh, brothers and sisters. And uh, Mary had <coughs> other children is the answer to that question. All right. Thank you, Toby. Uh, let me talk about a good way to study the Bible for just a little while. We enjoy answering a few questions every week, but... Uh, as you may well be able to figure out, we don't get the Bible covered uh, too frequently. In fact, I don't think we've got it covered completely, and we've been on 27 years. Uh, there's a few parts we haven't got to yet. So, uh, if you're going to know your Bible and the parts that are uh, important to you and interesting to you, it might be good if you study the Bible on your own. And you'll get in a lot more than just a couple of questions each week. So, we have some materials that will help you do that. Uh, we know it's hard to get started in Bible study. Uh, sometimes people start reading and get stuck and don't get very far. Uh, there's a better way to kind of get an overview of the Bible, and that's this course that you're seeing on the screen right now. There are eight lessons in it. Uh, it's not a denominational creed book or anything else. It's just a general study of the Bible, very non-denominational, very uh, true to the Scripture. Uh, starts with the very basics, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and making that division or understanding that division. Uh, so you start there, and from there you just learn a little bit more about the Bible with each lesson, and by the end of the eight, you know quite a bit about the Bible. Uh, now, we'll get you a handsome certificate at that time that indicates that you graduated from that course, and then we've got more advanced courses, and you can keep right on studying the Bible for quite a while with Know Your Bible Study Tools. We hope you, excuse me, we hope you take us up on that. Uh, phone number, website on the screen. Give us a call or log on. Tell us you'd like that free course. We'll send you lesson number one. We think you'll like it. Thousands of people have. All right, let's do the second part of my question. Somebody want to know about the plan of salvation. And then they said, now, is baptism necessary? I imagine nobody in our audience too much disagreed with my first part of the answer. Uh, the plan of salvation, Jesus paid the price, he, his blood gets us back together with God and all that. But there's a lot of people that have been taught that, well, all you have to do is accept Jesus into your heart or believe on him or make him Lord of your life, and then it's all taken care of. Well, that's not what the New Testament says. I showed you the scriptures there as we went through that chart about the plan of salvation. Uh, Acts 2.38, people said, asked Peter, what do we do? Well, what do we do to get back right with God? And Peter's answer was, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. That's how you get your sins forgiven. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So very plain there, but some people still deny that's necessary. So that's why this viewer said, is baptism necessary? <clears throat> Excuse me, let me give you three reasons. And I think the answer is yes. Uh, first of all, pick up the book of Acts, read from Acts 1 till the end of Acts, and what you'll find in there is the apostles traveling around, mainly Peter and Paul, but the apostles going different places, preaching to lost people, uh, Gentiles, pagans, Jews, all kinds, and converting them to Jesus, telling them the gospel story that I just showed you in that little chart telling them who Jesus was, what Jesus did for them, and all that. And they became Christians. Now, as you go through Acts, you'll find a lot of those. Uh, I've read some chapters got two or three in them. Uh, and you'll read a lot of 
cases of salvation. And every one of them ends in baptism. Just keep you a chart, get you a pad of paper and write down all the cases. You'll start with 3,000 people in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost and you'll go on through Cornelius and through the jailer in Philippi and through Lydia and on and on you'll find people who from Judaism, from paganism, from being Gentiles, whatever, were saved by the blood of Jesus. Every case will end in baptism and then they will go on their way rejoicing. Pretty positive proof to me. Second, the whole rest of the New Testament just discusses baptism. Matter of fact, that's what all Christians did. That's how they became Christians. Romans chapter 6 is probably the best example. Paul writing to the church in Rome, he says, don't you know, in verse uh, 3, don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? in order that we may live a new life. How do you get across that chasm we looked at there? How do you get across from being lost and reconciled to God? Well, we were baptized into Christ. That's how it happened. And that's the way the Bible talks about it all the way through the New Testament. And let me give you one last one, one clear case to me that just makes it crystal clear. Uh, Paul uh, his name was Saul before that, and there I gave you the answer to the trivia question, I think. Uh, so <laughs> you ought to get it right today if you're paying attention. <clears throat> Saul was a Jew, a very serious Jew, and he didn't believe Jesus was who he said he was. He didn't think Jesus was the payment for sins. So he persecuted Jesus, and he persecuted Christians and all that. On the road to Damascus, Jesus appeared to him, and said, I'm the one you're persecuting, and explained to Paul who he really was. Okay, Paul went blind. He went into Damascus. He prayed and fasted for three days. Uh, he was healed by Ananias when he came. His blindness was healed. Uh, he recognized Jesus. He confessed him as Lord on the road to Damascus. He did all of those things. He saw Jesus personally. He confessed Him as Lord. He received a miraculous healing. He fasted and prayed for three days. A lot of people today would say, well, he believed in Jesus. He was saved. Okay. After all of that, let me just show you one verse. After all of that, when the preacher Ananias came to see him, here's what he said in Acts 22:16. He said, Paul, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on His name. After all of those other things, personal visit with Jesus, uh, confessing Him as Lord, miraculous healing, fasting and praying, he still had a sin problem because he hadn't had them washed away in baptism. That's where God takes sins away. All right, put those three things together. Every case in the New Testament, the way the New Testament discusses baptism, and particularly the conversion of Paul uh, I see hard to answer anyway except saying, yes, baptism is necessary. So that's my answer to that one. All right, Toby. Oh, I had one question about okay. Mary, and now i got a follow-up question about Joseph. Oh, you're doing the whole family yeah, today. Yeah, just do a little, little family study here. What, what happened to Joseph, Jesus' father? <clears throat> well, the simple answer is we don't know. And, of course, we remember that Jesus was uh, uniquely conceived and that Jesus... Uh, or Joseph would have been uh, sort of the adoptive father, if you will. But Luke chapter 2 is the last time he's, he's mentioned uh, in the story. And uh, other 
there are other extra biblical resources that speculators say different things. Some think that, that he died. Remember that Jesus did not begin public ministry till 30 years later. And our Bible, we kind of, you know, in the, in the gospel accounts, we get, you know, the story of the birth and then uh, the story of Jesus at the temple. And then we skip ahead about almost 20 years to when Jesus was 30. And a lot happened in that time. As we mentioned, Jesus had other brothers and sisters. Um, and uh, we just don't know what happened to Joseph. The Bible does not say. And so uh, Scripture doesn't tell us, and that's the answer. We don't know. Yep, we're done, <laughs> done with that. We, and we get quite a few of those. Yep. You know, we say we answer people's questions, but uh, there's a lot of things we wonder about right. that the Bible just doesn't tell us about. So we, yeah, that, and, we'll, and we'll tell you that when we, sure. when we find one. All right. Uh, <laughs> I got a good one here. Does the Bible say anything about <laughs> compensating ministers, about paying preachers? Well, this is a pr pretty important question yes, here. Yes, let's know. make sure you answer this one correctly, <laughs> sir. Oh, uh, uh, not not in the way the amount it doesn't talk about the amount in any way, and I'm glad it didn't. It might 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 say that uh, you know it might be in two mites or right, something like right. that in first century terms. We've had a little inflation since then. Uh, so it doesn't say anything like that. But it does say this. Let's put it this way. It does say preachers can be paid, and it does say preachers ought to be paid. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9, 13 through 18. Uh, well, here's one verse out of that. Uh, it says, In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. All right? So you ought to be paid if you're going to be a full-time preacher, if you will. Uh, what Paul's doing there in 1 Corinthians 9 is saying that he's got a right to be paid and preachers have a right to be paid. Now he was a missionary, but he supported himself a lot. He, were, he made tents and he wrote to some of his churches and said, I didn't take any money from you. I, I just wanted to share the gospel with you. Well, he was supported in other ways. Uh, some churches helped him and he worked on his own. He was a bivocational minister is what we call that today. And there's a lot of ministers today that do that. They support themselves with a secular job. They work at a plant or sell insurance or do something and then preach either for free or almost for free because they love it and they love to spread the gospel and they want to help a church and that's a good thing. But Paul says in those verses that a preacher can be paid and he ought to be paid, but he also says a preacher doesn't have to take a pay. Uh, he said, I told you that he said, uh, I worked with my hands, uh, I didn't take any money from you. So that's okay too if a preacher can afford to do that. And there's some congregations that are very small that can't afford much and they may have a bivocational preacher. Some are very large and can have a staff and pay lots of folks to do lots of things. Uh, all of that's acceptable with God. I don't think there's any percentage set or any pay range or anything else. Uh, whatever you can do and whatever a congregation and a preacher can work out to uh, make both mutually acceptable is okay with God. But yes, you, preacher can be paid, should be paid. First uh, Corinthians nine fourteen says that's all it says about it. All right, Toby. That's a good answer. Okay, thank okay. you. Okay. Uh, oh, I've got yep. a. Yep. 
talk about a, visiting the Churches of Christ near you. I <laughs> forgot what my next routine was. Uh, we support Churches of Christ in your area, and they support us. Uh, and here's one up in uh, South Dakota, one of our newest markets uh, up in uh, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Great bunch of folks up there. Uh, located on Southeastern Avenue, and I know they'd warmly welcome you if you dropped in to see what's going on there. Uh, they help us with the Know Your Bible program up there and keeping it on the air and uh, answering the correspondence courses and the phones and all that's involved in dealing with Know Your Bible. So we recommend them highly and uh, the folk, other folks around them up there in uh, the South Dakota area. Of course, you're always welcome at any Church of Christ near you. Uh, the Northside Church of Christ here in Wichita, Kansas, the home church of Know Your Bible. Uh, we'd welcome you at any time. But whatever community you live in, uh, if you're seeing this program, there's a Church of Christ pretty near you sometime. Drop in and visit them sometime. All right, yep. Toby, marijuana. Yep. A viewer asked the question, maybe as a follow-up, I'm not sure. A lot of states are making marijuana legal. Is it okay to follow the law of the land? I think we've kind of answered this question before, and I've probably brought up the law of the land. And the first basic point is that right now in most states, uh, in the United States anyway, they're, uh, marijuana using marijuana is illegal. So that's something we have to give consideration. You're breaking the law. And this person says, well, okay, well, what about the states where they're, they're saying it's okay? Uh, is, that, is that all right for Christians then to partake? And my answer to that is still no. I don't think it's appropriate. Uh, but it has not so much to do with the law, it has to do with the other principles that I relayed. Now, we got to remember that just because something is legal does not necessarily mean that it's morally appropriate or that, that God approves of it. But it gives us a reference point. Um, as an example, murder is something that God deplores, and most states have or, and, and federal law condemn murder, taking of a life. However, we have laws that allow abortion, which I consider to be um, murder of a, of a young baby. And that's allowable, but God's standard didn't change. And I think that's still deplorable to God. So there, there are things in the laws that might be allowable, but still violate a principle of God's uh, teaching and commands that are found in Scripture. And I think marijuana is one of those things that uh, does. Let's uh, a, a couple of them that I'll go over again. Uh, first of all, just the principle of taking care of your body. You only get one and uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 19 and 20, this is not on the screen, but it says that we ought to take care of the body and, uh, you know, you be a good steward of it. Well, marijuana is poison. It's uh, full of carcinogens and things that will just uh, slowly kill you. And I know think people think it's not that bad, but when you look at the actual research, uh, it's as bad or worse than most cigarettes out there. And uh, people say, well, man, you know, cigarettes, it's like... You know, that that's another one that people, you know, have changed on quite a bit. So I, it's just got to take care of your body. Second, you got to think about letting a foreign substance control you, whether this is uh, getting under the influence of alcohol or marijuana or any kind of drug, you are releasing control of your mind. That's what you do when you get under that influence is lose self-control. Um, and then finally setting us a, a good example for others. So those are some principles, Titus 2, 11 and 12, which I don't think we have time to show on the screen, but uh, some principles to think about.
probably not appropriate for Christians. Okay, nope, we're out of time, but we'll do a <laughs> trivia question. What was Paul's Jewish name? I already gave you a pretty good hint. It was Saul. Saul of Tarsus was what he was called, and uh, he was converted and became Paul. Glad you've been with us this week. We hope uh, you come back next week to hear more of your questions. Till then, you have a blessed week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area. Churches of Christ are non-denominational and each congregation is an independent group of Christians seeking to do God's will. Our goal is simple New Testament Christianity. We follow the Bible as our only guide. Contact us with any questions and we encourage you to visit a Church of Christ near you.